make you feel uncomfortable. I want you to stand because I want to pray for you and your family. So if you are getting ready to ship out in the next week, week and a half, or you have friends or family members that are getting ready to send out, is anybody bold enough, courageous enough to stand? Come on. There we go. All right. We, stay standing. We just, we just want you to know we, we love you guys. We're with you. And, and as you go, you have family here that's, we're going to wrap our arms around your family uh, because that's what we do. So let's pray for you guys. Lord, thank you so much for your grace, your covering on each of these individuals, families. Uh, we just ask that you would, in this time, strengthen them. Uh, Lord, strengthen them by your spirit. I, I pray even for this, this time to be a time of hearing your voice in a fresh way. Uh, fill them up. Guide them and protect them. We pray this in your powerful name. Amen. Amen. All right, grab your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 4. We are at the end of this short letter. If you've not been with us, uh, the last three weeks has been a lot of fun. There's a lot in in this little letter that we have from Paul. And as we read this letter... And as we have read this letter, it's important to transport ourselves back into a time uh, with no technology. Uh, It's hard to envision that now, but no technology, no cell phones, no printing press, no mail service, uh, none of these things were a reality in the time that these letters were written. And, And so for Paul to write a letter to connect with people that he loves um, was not a small task. In fact, there was a great, it was a great distance uh, and a lot of work that would go into taking one of these letters and delivering it to its desired location. And I want to put it in perspective today as we get into the last chapter. Uh, here's, a, here's a map. If you were to take a trip from where Paul wrote this letter to where it arrived today, you could spend a few hundred bucks, get on a plane, and be there in a few hours. Or if you wanted to be adventurous and take a car, you could drive and catch some ferries and you could make it there in a long time. If in Paul's day, in Paul's day, to make this trip on foot, you're talking 10-hour days for almost a month. So, so think about this. This letter that we're reading today had to travel from Rome to Colossae by foot. Somebody had to carry that. The, the, the weight of these words would have been like just fresh water to people, right? Because it wasn't instant. They didn't have libraries of information. They didn't have the internet. And so Paul is coaching. They're waiting for his coaching. They're waiting for his encouragement. And when it arrives, it was like drinking from the well. <laughs> and today, I, I want to suggest as we read the scripture, particularly today in Colossians or any text, we come to it with the kind of reverence and respect for the words that are on these pages. The reason that we have them today is, is truly the grace of God. Uh, and he speaks to us today through them. Um, there's a lot that has changed in a couple thousand years, but God's heart for his people hasn't changed. And his call for us to come under his leadership and lordship hasn't changed. So, okay, chapter four. Um, last week, I'm still chewing on some things that Shannon shared from chapter three. This visual that Paul gives us of of putting on uh, these clothes, putting on the character of Christ. And I loved her point about we can't put on the character of Christ until we receive those things for ourselves first. 
So we clothe ourselves as we receive the kindness and the goodness of God, we clothe ourselves in it and then we, we display kindness and goodness. So we have to receive it first. And as we receive the goodness of, of Christ, the grace of Christ, it affects how we engage in every relationship. And that's what Paul steps through. He says this, this affects the way you deal with uh, your kids. It affects your marriages. It affects all of your relationships. As you walk with Christ, it affects all the people around you. Uh, the first verse of chapter four kind of closes this part of the letter. I've got a lot of questions as why the first verse, whoever put, this happened later. Do you know that the chapters and the verses were put in much later? Whoever put the chapter break here, I don't understand because this verse actually belongs with the last section of stuff, but they're all smarter than me, so I'm just gonna trust that they know what they're doing. Um, here's the first verse of chapter four. It says, masters, Treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. I want to pause for a second uh, because Paul, again, building on what was said last week, he's building a kingdom ethic. He's dismantling a worldly system, kingdom, and he's building a kingdom that God is in the middle of. He's he's setting apart what it looks like to live as the people of, of Jesus. And Shannon mentioned this last week. What he's describing is, is probably a work-type situation, a bond-servant. Um, but in the first century, slavery was also real. Like it was an accepted reality that people were bought and sold as property uh, and treated as a subhuman. And Christianity itself, it was, it was birthed, it was born in a bunch of broken, messed-up worldly systems. Christ came to a broken world. We know this. He, he entered into a really messed up uh, world and he called his followers to be the light in the world. He didn't mince words about the darkness. He said, listen, I'm sending you out like sheep amongst wolves. Like it is, it is a dark place. It is a dreary place. It is, it is not a great place. It's an evil world that you're living in. But, but your existence, your, your trust in me, the way that you live under my leadership, it's going to be a light in the dark world. It's going to change the way people think. It's going to change the way people interact. You're called to be lights. And we're called to be lights today. But Paul, he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily attack. This is what Paul does in these verses. He doesn't give believers something to fight against. He gives them something to live into. He says, this, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. And he levels the playing field. He says, someday you need to remember that all of you are going to stand before Jesus. Every human on this planet is going to stand before Jesus. He's the ultimate judge. There's no no group of people that's better than another. There's God and then there's humanity. And we have to learn to honor and respect and care for one another, understanding that we all are under the lordship of Jesus And every tribe and every tongue and every nation is under the lordship of Jesus. And we all care for and we love each other under the lordship of Jesus. Amen? Paul is saying this is how you live in a world that doesn't live that way. And it will be a light in the darkness. Continuing verse 2. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it, with thanksgiving. 
At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Now, Paul, uh, Paul has a lot to say about prayer. All of his letters, he has something to say about prayer. He either encourages us to pray, he challenges us to pray, he makes us feel small when he says, I pray more than any of you, all of you combined. Uh, prayer was so important to him. And it was so important for him to write about it to other believers, to say, listen, we all, we all need to be praying. But have you ever been confused about prayer? Like, like what it is and how it works and how you're supposed to do it and when you're supposed to do it and where you're supposed to do it and who you're supposed Like, prayer can be confusing. It can be rather confusing. I think, I think when you get a picture of prayer, imagine, when you think of prayer, what do you think of? What's the visual that comes to your mind? Okay? There's a text that comes to your mind. Uh, there, there's a picture that I think is common for many of us. It probably looks something like this. Uh, prayer being something that, that we enter into, and it's kind of a secret place, right? We even, there's books about that, the secret place. There's nothing bad about this, but the visual that we have of, of prayer is eyes closed, hands folded, uh, kind of getting all the distractions out of our life so that we can spend time with God. And there's beautiful, beautiful things about that. Uh, Paul, when he talks about prayer, he uses an interesting language that kind of goes against what this picture is presenting. Because Paul says to continue praying, being watchful. The word uh, in, in Greek means to be alert, to be awake, to pay strict attention. So the visual of prayer, I love this, uh, Don and Ann who are leading us this morning. Um, the visual of prayer is more like Lucy, their dog, who is constantly like aware of everything in the room. <laughs> be alert, be watchful. You ever seen like a young dog that's just like excited to be alive and like everything's awesome. The picture is actually more like that. The encouragement that Paul is giving is to be alert and to be watchful and be aware of what's going on versus being like, Eyes closed in your own space. Now, I think there's room for both of those. But when you think of prayer, do you think of being alert and watchful and eyes open, checking everything out? We don't always tend to think about prayer that way. Paul is saying, this is what prayer looks like, and I, and I want you to lean into this. And, and what are we watching for as we're being alert, as we're paying attention? What are we looking for? We're looking for the places where God is working. Because God is always working. He's always at work. And when we pray, we're tuning our heart and hopefully our eyes to be able to see what God is already doing. And, and I, love, I love that he adds, be watchful with thanksgiving. And I, I think that's a great encouragement to us because sometimes when you look out and you're being alert, and you're saying, God, I'm praying and I'm trying to be watchful and I'm being vigilant, but you're not seeing where he's working. Have you ever been there where, where you're praying and nothing seems to be happening? Paul adds to it, be thankful. 
Be watchful with thanksgiving. And I think it's an encouragement to, in those moments when you're not seeing him move, remember what he's already done. Be thankful. So when you don't see it happening, don't forget to be thankful because God's still good and he's still on the throne and he's still working. So we be watchful with thanks, thanksgiving. Prayer is about listening and partnering with the work of God. And God doesn't need us to pray. Like God is fully capable of accomplishing everything he wants to on his own terms. What's amazing is that he invites us into relationship. He wants to engage with us. He wants us to be a part of of what he's doing. He wants us to join with him as he's carrying out his purposes on this earth. And if you go back to the beginning of the story in Genesis, you have that picture. You have Adam and Eve walking with God in the coolness of the day. I love that picture. We get to walk with God. And by his spirit, he gives us sight, his sight, for the world, for relationships, for people around us. And we partner in prayer saying, God, help me to stay in alignment with what you're doing, with what you're saying. I want to be a part of your work in this world. That's what prayer, prayer is. It's very easy, and I can be guilty of this, to turn prayer into asking God to work on something for us. I'm sure we all have prayer requests in this room. And we bring those things to God. Prayer is more about gaining awareness of where God is already at work. God, help me to see. Open my heart, open my eyes. Verse five, it says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So here, here Paul's encouraging this small community of believers. He's, he's coaching them on how to engage with the world around them that are not believers. Any fans of a salt in this room? Any salt fans? Just salt on everything? Salt, salt, salt. Salty chips? No. Salty, salty steak? Salty popcorn? Come on, Billy. Preach. Come on, I, I love salt. I'm a, I'm a sucker for salty things. Just pour the salt on the tongue, you know, take a bite of food. Um, <laughs> without Paul understanding how salt actually works, I mean, he had no idea that, he had, he had no capability of breaking down the chemical compound of salt. But he speaks, again, we mentioned this earlier in the series, he speaks almost with a supernatural wisdom. Because salt, uh, I studied salt just for the heck of it, because I wanted to learn about it. <laughs> And salt, it's amazing what salt does. Salt, salt actually adjusts our ability to taste things. It like lessens things that are too potent or extreme for us so that we can taste them. And it, and it heightens things that we wouldn't normally be able to taste. It like adjusts somehow, chemically, it does that. <laughs> so it's not actually the salt. It's what the salt does to the things that you're eating that brings out the flavors and creates more enjoyment. And Paul, he says, listen, when you go out into this world, when you leave your community of faith and you're out in your workplace and you're doing your thing, he says, listen, I want your words to be like salt. Seasoned with salt. I want what you say to be something that draws out the goodness in people around you. 
Your words should draw out the beauty in relationships and community. Salty. Draw it out. Uh, the last couple of years have shown us uh, that, that as Christians, we've forgotten about Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. Because we have lots of words, but are they salty? Are they drawing out what is good? Are they drawing out the beauty? Are they drawing out, or are our words used for other things? Now, even as I, I say that, I can hear the critic, um, well, somebody's got to say it like it is. Somebody's got to be bold and courageous. Somebody's got to tell people like what's actually happening. Somebody has to put people in their place. Somebody's got to deal with the sin in the world. And I completely agree with you. And someone did. His name was Jesus. And Jesus never called any of us to be a savior. He called us to be servants. There is one savior. I don't know, maybe you've saved somebody. Well, my wife kind of does as an ER nurse, but... <laughs> We're not in the business of saving people. Our life is about pointing people to Jesus, the Savior. And as we serve people, they actually encounter the Savior. Are you with me? Yes. Be salty. <laughs> Verse 7, Paul, uh, he brings this letter to a close, uh, and there's some awesome names in here. Uh, so if you're about ready to have kids, get ready. <laughs> Verse 7, Tychicus, oh, <laughs> hello. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Now, Tychicus. Um, Tychicus is, is the stud that traveled from Rome to Colossae. So I feel like Tychicus needs a round of applause right now because Tychicus is the guy, seriously, the reason that we have the letter that we're reading together in this community is because of Tychicus. Think about that. Paul wrote it. We wouldn't have it if he didn't make the journey. Now, there's a, there's a lot of us that look at a guy like Paul and think, oh, man, I'll never be like Paul. Don't be like Paul. Be someone like Tychicus who takes the word of God with him wherever he goes. Him just being obedient to that created a crazy impact that we're studying still today. So we need Paul's. We need Tychicus's. We need you. We, we, need, we need you, and I mean you. Don't try to be somebody else. Be who God's created you to be. Because who you are in Christ is something the world needs. So let's walk in that. Walk in the fullness of that. That's what he talks about earlier in the letters. Remember who you are in Christ and be that. Because that's bringing light into a dark world. We need all of us. The world needs you. Verse 10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. 
And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. I'll explain that in a minute. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. If you're like, what's the circumcision issue? He's just saying these are the Jewish believers that are with me. That's why he's saying that, making that distinction. Uh, Now, quick note on Mark in verse 10. Um, You wouldn't know it just from reading this letter, but the fact that Mark is included at the end of this letter is a work of God. It's a pretty miraculous work of God. Because, believe it or not, Paul and the other leaders in the early church, they, they sometimes got in tiffs with each other. Like they, they disagreed, they fought, they didn't like each other sometimes. If you read Acts 15, go and read this after, after service today. Paul and his buddy Barnabas, they got into a fight about Mark. And Paul was like, I ain't taking Mark with me on this journey because I don't trust that schlup. No, he didn't say that, but. <laughs> there was some tension. It says a sharp disagreement arose between them. So here you have Paul and Barnabas talking about Mark, and Barnabas is like, this guy's got to go. He's going to be a benefit on this journey. And Paul's like, I ain't taking him anywhere. And the, the disagreement was so sharp that they parted ways. They like stopped doing ministry together for a season. By the time we get to this letter, Paul says of Mark, hey, that dude has been awesome. He's been a benefit to me. He's been a blessing. You see, Paul, even Paul's change of heart, Paul was still being transformed in his journey. If, if you are a follower of Jesus, my guess is you've had some, maybe in your life, some sharp disagreements with other believers. Here's the good news. God is always working out reconciliation. His heart is to do that. There may be a season where there's a separation and a difficulty, but we can take courage from this story and say, you know what? If God can do it with Barnabas and Paul and Mark, he can still do it today in our lives. Amen? Amen. Verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Some scholars think that Epaphras was one of the leaders, if not the pastor of the church in Colossae. And uh, as with any leadership role, it doesn't really matter what it is, you tend to get beat up a little bit when you're in a leadership role. And my guess is Epaphras was taking a little hiatus, and he goes and he visits Paul in Rome uh, to be encouraged. And, And so for him to come back into his community of faith and have the recommendation and commendation of Paul to say, this guy has been busting his tail for you. He's been praying for you. He's, he's for what God is doing in your community. There's probably no greater level of commendation or recommendation. So for Epaphras to come back into his community, this, this is a huge thing uh, for Paul to say. Verse 14, Luke, the beloved physician greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans 
and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. Quick note here. Again, they didn't have mass. They didn't have a printing press. So this letter was shared around the different communities and read out loud. So he's saying, make sure that you read this when you're together. You can't just look it up on your phone later. Like, this is going to be passed from community to community, and you need to read these things. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Now, the end of this letter and many of, of Paul's letters, you get to the end and Paul starts listing off all these wonderful names. Now, if you were in church, so you've got to be honest, it, when you've gotten to the end of a letter and it's just a bunch of names, how many of you just, you spent a good couple days in there? You just dive in, like, oh, look at all these names. Very typically, you get to that part of a letter and you're like, Next? Right? What I, want us to pick, what, I, what I want us to see here is Paul, this apostle of Jesus, carrying the good news. He, he was not in isolation. Paul did ministry with people. And he lists them by name. These were meaningful relationships that he had in his life. These were people that when he wrote a letter to somebody, he said, listen, I want you to understand these people have been impactful. These people are important. These people are valuable to me. They're encouragement to me. I'm an encouragement to them. He has a list of people that he always has at the end of his letters. Ministry, life in general, it's so important to do in community. It's easy to go the other way. It's easy to go into isolation and try to work at it on your own. Anybody guilty of that? Life, the fullness of life happens in community, in relationship with people. And that takes some work. That takes some intentionality. It takes, sometimes you get into a sharp disagreement and have to work some things out. That's part of how we're formed and shaped. So a few encouragements as we close this, this letter. Worship team, you guys can come and join me. The first uh, is to be watchful in prayer. Make some time this week. Uh, in your daily rhythm, in your weekly rhythm, to say, Lord, help me to see. And think, think little dog Lucy, not folding it. Think, think, God, help me to see. Give me eyes to see. Help me to see people and my community. Help me to see what you're doing. Help me to see where you're working. Because I want to I get on board with that. Be watchful. Uh, second, be wise and salty. Be wise and salty. I love that. After the first service, uh, one of our sailors came up to me and he said, you know, salty has a different connotation in the Navy. <laughs> I said, that is so true. <laughs> He's like, salty kind of means, like, I don't know if we want to be salty. Like, well, be salty in a different way. Uh, but it kind of redeems that idea. To be salty is to be somebody who's not crusty and old and been around the block. It's somebody who's present to the work of the Spirit that's drawing out what's good in others. You don't want to be... Yeah, anyway. <laughs> be wise and salty. Let your words be gracious and seasoned with salt. What you say matters. James says your tongue is very powerful. It can build things and wreck things. 
your words be seasoned with salt. Let it draw out good things. Wise and salty. And then be in community. If you were to sit down uh, and write a letter, which then itself might be a challenge to you, because uh, we don't necessarily write things anymore. I think there's some beauty in handwriting things. Um, that's not, let's say you just type a letter. Let's say you go home and you type a letter this afternoon. And let's say it's to friends across the country, across the world. When you get to the end of your letter, who are you listing as the people who are a part of your life that have encouraged you, that have challenged you, that have walked with you, that have been, have been in it with you in the good times and the hard times? What's your list look like? And, it, and if people are coming to mind right now, that's where you just, it's almost like you can't not praise God. You just have like, thank you God for the grace the people, how is this even a thing? If, if that exercise, thinking through that, makes you go, I don't know who, I don't know who I would put. I want to encourage you this morning. There's people all around you that, that love you. And, and a lot of times we wait. I can be guilty of waiting for somebody to like start relationship. and make, Sometimes you just got to step out there and you got to build the relationship and build community. Don't do this journey alone. You can. It's just, it's, it sucks. I think somebody just said it sucks. It's true. <laughs> it sucks. This community of faith, it exists for us to grow in Christ together. This whole thing on the wall, it actually means something. Connect, grow in community we need one another. We stand uh, as we pray. I did this first service. I'm going to do it again. I'm not going to close my eyes. I'm going to look into your soul as I'm praying. <laughs> and you know what? First service, it was so beautiful. There's something about seeing each other even as we're seeking the Lord. So, Lord, I pray this morning. <laughs> first of all, God, I thank you for who you have in this community, for, for who you've brought together here, for the work that you're doing. God, I, my heart erupts with thanksgiving because of who you are, your faithfulness, your kindness, your goodness towards us. Lord, you've walked, you've walked with us through the fire in every season. Everything that we faced with our, our families and our kids and our workplaces, you're faithful. You've remained faithful. And we trust you this morning. We need you this morning. All, all these things that we read about are only possible because your spirit dwells within us. Your power dwells within us. We need you. We don't, we don't attempt to live this life of faith on our own. We, we need you and we need one another. So I pray that you'd fill us today. You'd fill us up. You'd fill our tank. You'd encourage us. You'd remind us of who we are in you. You would speak over, Lord, Lord, that you would draw out of us the good that you've already placed in us. Lord, for those of us that have been trying to be something else, chasing after an image or a person or a style or whatever that is, I pray, God, that you would 
begin to quiet those things in our hearts and minds and begin to release what you've already placed in us because you're the creator and what you create is good. Draw it out in us. And will we be light in a dark world? Thank you for guiding us and walking with us. We pray this in your name. Amen.